We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. And we kick things off by saying welcome back to the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, uh, boy, T-Row, what a week it's been already. I know you and I are getting ready for a coach's show tonight and a trip to Stillwater on Saturday, but, man, a tough one for the Sooners on the road in Manhattan against Kansas State. But I think as, as you brought up so well in the postgame show, uh, that's that's kind of been a house of horrors for the Sooners recently, hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's been the uh, outpost in the Big 12 that Oklahoma, I think, has played uh, consistently the worst of the last five or six years. And uh, maybe there's a little bit of reasoning to that, but um, I'm not sure. There have been some other places that they've struggled. There, Everyone struggles on the road right. in conference play. Uh, they've had a hard time winning in Hilton Coliseum. They've had, obviously, a hard time winning in Allen Fieldhouse. But for some reason, Bramlage Coliseum has been the place they play the worst. Not, not necessarily... Uh, um, that they, uh, you know, they haven't won a game at Allen Fieldhouse in a long, long, long time. But I feel like they've they've had some nights where they played pretty well up there. It's hard to remember a night when they've played well in Manhattan, Kansas, over the past five or six years. And I would say that was the case again on Tuesday. Um, it was really the first clunker of the year uh, for both Trey Young and for this basketball team. Where at the end of the night you kind of look around and go, ugh, that you know that just wasn't good in every way, really. Even in previous losses, the Arkansas game and the West Virginia game, you can look to 
a few things here or there where you say, well, it, it you know it just wasn't their night, or or uh, at least they did this well. I, I think you left Bramlage with a pretty icky feeling on Tuesday. But you know, my opinion is that was bound to happen sooner or later. Hopefully, they got it out of their system and uh, they can move on and, and play well Saturday. I thought, you know, Trey had a miserable night. He had twelve turnovers. And by his standards, he had a miserable night. He still scored 20 points, but he had 12 turnovers and two of 10 from three-point range. But I, but I, he continues to impress me in how he handles it because afterwards he, you know, said things that a senior would normally say about this loss is on me and it's my fault. And I, you know, he just completely took the blame. So um, even in loss, I thought he was impressive. Lon Kruger, whenever I saw him afterwards, uh, said, I guess we can blame you for this one. So I kind of felt a little bit of responsibility, Tiro. That is, that is the first road trip I've been on with men's basketball for a while. But I'm, I'm glad you, you said that about Manhattan because I, you know, you would have to think, I don't want to say you know, but you would have to think that Lon wants to go there and have his teams perform well. Heck, he wants to go everywhere and have his teams perform well. But when you go to a place where your, your number is hanging in the rafters, there's pictures of you as a standout player in the hallways as you take the court, uh, I mean, heck, in the post-game locker, or post-game locker, in the post-game press conference, one of the reporters from the area asked Lon about the job he thought that Bruce Weber was doing, and then even added to it, you know, some fans would rather have you here, and I was just thinking to myself, how beloved can you be? But with that, it's just, you said, you come away from Lawrence, and there's a few games where you go, oh my gosh, the, the Buddy game should have won, what a great game they played so well. You can't really pinpoint a game in maybe even the last decade where Oklahoma has gone there and you said, hey, they really played well. It's just – it's an odd spot. Yeah, and I think K-State deserves some credit for that. The, the style Amen. that they played under Bruce Weber, home and away. You know, they've beaten Oklahoma a couple of times in Norman, too. Home and away has been it's, – it's difficult for OU. And, and Texas Tech is mirroring that a little bit this year, too. So I think the trip to Lubbock is going to be tough. And that is – um, in your shirt, tight half court man to man defense that makes it hard for you to fluidly run your offense. Yep. They're not trying to full court pressure you like West Virginia is. You're not going to see any zone out of them. Um, they are just up in you from the moment you cross half court. Now, the re- you know, the reason that is tough for the Lon Kruger offense is it is based. Uh, significantly on freedom of movement and flow. And it's fun to watch, and that's why they're leading the nation in scoring, and that's why you see uh, 93 points a game and, and 22 assist games and 43-point games and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there aren't a lot of teams that will necessarily try to bust that up. Like Kansas is happy. They want to flow. Um, uh, Baylor plays a zone, so that's an entirely different thing. Uh, TCU wants to flow. A Kentucky and a North Carolina and a Duke. And those teams want to get up and down and go. And so, um, but Kansas State and and I think, like I said, Texas Tech mirrors them a lot this year. Wants to play, they would rather the game be in the 50s. You know, 55-54 is a great night for them. And that doesn't mesh. And so I think that's been difficult for the Oklahoma offense to overcome in recent years. Um, the other thing about the Lon Kruger factor is I do think it is a big deal for Lon when he goes back to Manhattan and he'd love to win there. And, and But I don't know that it's, you know, maybe it's incrementally a little bit more important to him than other places. I think the 
thrill of going back to Manhattan for him is getting to see old friends and yeah. a lot of family and Good stuff point. like that. He, he does he want to win more than he wants to win when he goes to Lawrence or Stillwater or other places? Eh, maybe one <laughs> percent more. You know, I don't know. But I, I, it, I think it's a maybe even a bigger deal for the other guy. You know, when when it's awkward for Bruce Weber and before him Frank Martin for a year, when a guy that is the stature of Von Kruger and is a two-time player of the year, his number is in the rafters with a great coach there. He's a legend. Yep. He's a legend in Manhattan, Kansas. He comes back, and you know that a lot of fans would rather have him as their head coach than you. <laughs> and so I think Bruce Weber really gets up for the Oklahoma games because he's got a little something to prove. Yeah. Now, you know, how does that translate into how his team plays? I don't know. Maybe it does a little. Maybe it's no factor at all. But I think the Oklahoma game for Bruce Weber is right behind the Kansas game every year on how important it is for him to win. Well, he sure did. Uh, he sure did sweat that one out on on Tuesday night, man. My goodness, uh, Bruce Weber looked like he had gone through a car wash. He had taken a shower with his shirt on whenever that thing was done. That dude put it all into it. Now, so we move on, Toby. We can put that behind us. Move on to Saturday. It's it's bedlam. We'll talk about Oklahoma State coming up here in just a bit. But as you said, you know, kind of the first real challenging performance from this team. I'm excited to see how they respond because. I really think Trey Young is a superstar. I really think he's next level. So if if that's the case and everything is is going to be backed up, I think we're in for something special on Saturday at Gallagher Ibe Arena. Yeah, I never get, they're going to be fine. I'm I'm not worried about them at all, man. I mean, you play 18 games in this conference. There's going to be some nights where it doesn't go your way, and um, they're four and two, a third of the way through it. Um, they're probably, you know, I think probably the champion of this conference is 14 and 4, 13 and 5, something like that. So I, they're in a good spot. Um, I'm not worried about them at all. You know, one, one guy who really stands out to me, Toby, is, is Brady Manick. And as you said, you're not really too concerned, but boy, when he is on, what an amazing added dimension he has. We talk so much about Trey, but here's another guy that's a true freshman I mean a true freshman that's out there doing some of the things that he's doing starting for this team I'm, I'm excited for his upside in his future too I think I think he has a ton of room to grow you know he's having an amazing freshman year and right now he's uh, and I don't mean this in a harsh way but he's, he's a little bit of a one-trick pony on the offensive end yep he's a, he's a catch and shoot guy and he'll either on the corner or the wing or up top, he'll get, you know, find an open spot when Trey penetrates or Jordan Shepard penetrates, Christian James, and wait for the pass to hit him. And then, boom, he's got a quick release and a silky smooth stroke. And, and he has the capability of getting really hot and having big games. But he, he as time goes, he's going to be able to do more than that. He really, right now, doesn't have the ability to put the ball on the floor and get by somebody. Right. He, doesn't get to the line. He's shot very few free throws this year. I think it's under 10, maybe. It's right around 10 all season. Wow. That's because he doesn't offensively get into the paint. He's, he just hangs out at the arc. So as time goes, I think his game, you know, whether it's 
spending time in the weight room and at six foot nine developing a back to the basket game where he can post somebody up and be a threat down there as well. Or the pump fake and drive for him would be an amazing weapon because right now people are just flying at him. They don't have to respect him off the dribble, so they're flying at him. Sooner or later, and it's going to take work probably through the summer and, and into next year, for him to be able to put the ball on the floor and maybe hit the little floater in the lane or pull up for a jumper at the elbow, something like that. So the point is, he's putting up great numbers. He's going to be a member of the all-freshman team in this conference. I think he had 28 against Oklahoma State the first time. Wow. And I think he's just scratching the surface of, by the time he's a senior, what we're going to see him be able to do. I know this is kind of a general comment to wrap things up, but I wanted to make this point because you've talked about it a lot, and I had a chance to experience for the first time this week. How fun is this team? I know that I know that Tuesday was frustrating and disappointing, but just traveling with them, being around them—not just the players, but the support staff. You know, you were just, was it was it Cam or was it Do that had the inside knowledge on the Star Wars video game? Was that was that Christian Do? Christian Doolittle. I haven't heard that before, but man, he just went on and on and on about. Uh about the Star Wars video game. He's quite the expert. <laughs> to uh, to Kadeem Latin serenading as we drove to the game. I, when they get on the bus, every single player fist bumps every single support member. Not just team, they fist bump every single member of the, of the support staff and of the broadcast crew. And Toby, you can probably give more of, a, of an inside scope than I can after just one trip, but it really seems like a group that likes being around each other and a group that's having a lot of fun with this. Yeah, the, the culture of this program under Lon Kruger is, um, you know, it, it is, it's very professional, but it is, uh, he had set it up in a way, and I think it speaks a lot to the kind of guys that he recruits to where it's just a great bunch of guys. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. They're just a great bunch of guys. And that is the players, that is the coaches, that is uh, the director of ops, uh, Mike Shepard. Um, it's it's the managers that uh, that they have, that I hire. One of them I'm pretty fond of. <laughs> uh, all, all of them I'm fond of. One I'm especially fond of. Um, it's Bryce Dobb, their strength and conditioning coach. They've just done a really good job of loading up their program with a bunch of great dudes, you know? And so when you, if you're at home or on the road, and it's more pronounced when you're on the road because you're all stuck in an airplane or a bus together or a hotel or whatever the case may be, they all just enjoy each other's company. And that sounds um, like no duh, but I've been around a lot of teams where that's not the case. I'm right. sure you have two groups oh, yeah. where – you know, there's two or three guys over here that are a click, and then there's a bunch of guys over here, and then you know there's hard feelings between player A and player B or player A and coach B, and, uh, and it's awkward. It's um, There's hard feelings, and there's whispering behind backs, and there's somebody's dad said this kid's going to transfer if he doesn't play more. And, you know, that, that, happens, that happens at the University of Oklahoma. It's not just sixth grade junior high hoops. I mean, so... <laughs> But you, there's just no sense of that with right. this team. And it's not this team. It's this program for years. 
it's in, it's really enjoyable to be around them. And for us, the inclusiveness of it is nice that they let us um, be a part of film session uh, awesome. and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I I look forward to every road trip that we get to make with Juan Kruger and his basketball team. And the good news is I think that they're really good this year. And I think that means we're probably going to have some road trips coming up in March as well. It's awesome. Toby, thanks for your time, man. We look forward to the Bedlam broadcast on Saturday, 1230 pregame, 1 o'clock tip on the Sooner Radio Network. See you, buddy. Thanks, Chris. All right, thanks to Toby. He'll rejoin us for the game plan coming up on Tuesday. And we'll recap the Bedlam battle, 1230 pregame, 1 o'clock tip for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State as the Sooners look to bounce back against the Cowboys. Well, the OU Athletic Department held a very impactful and amazing event on Monday. Special program to honor the life and impact of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I listened and was so touched, I thought, we have to bring this to the podcast. It was so emotionally moving. And yeah, it's a little bit different from what we typically bring you here on the podcast. It's not necessarily talking about sports, even though it was an event that was held by the OU Athletic Department, but it focuses on life and someone who has meant so much to me, and I never met, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I've studied, I've read, I've written about Dr. King, and I had an opportunity this week to hear from someone who knew and worked with and loved Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., And I wanted to share it with you today on the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is from the celebration of the life and the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the OU Athletic Department. And this is Dr. George Henderson. I think you will enjoy it. I think it will be moving. I think it's well worth your time here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. In order to have a day that's yours is a holiday, you have to die. Fifty years ago, shortly after Dr. King was murdered, I addressed 1,500 people in the South Oval of this university. I was confused, emotionally distraught, and angry. My friend and leader was gone. It's not right. Things all messed up. After the memorial service, I went home. Looked at my wife. We hugged. Seven children were there, and they were trying to make sense of this. And Barbara said, be strong. We civil rights activists had come a long way with Dr. King. We needed Martin's guidance. I didn't want to believe that he'd brought us that far and and, and left us. 
When we were afraid, he comforted us. When our lives were threatened, he stood with us. When our pseudo-friends left us, he held on tight to our relationships. He's gone. He's gone. About midnight or so, I had calmed down. And I was sitting in my study, and a voice came to me and it said, Dr. King didn't promise you that he would be with you forever, and he hadn't. He did say, however, that I will be with you in spirit, if not with you in body. And that made sense to me. And that same inner voice said, his words will comfort you. And they have. Tonight's program has a deliberate design. There are three facts about the civil rights movement that you should know. First, multicultural and multiracial students were prominent in the civil rights movement, and that's why the performers are those kinds of people. Students, young, younger, old, older. Second, music and publicly spoken words were the mediums used in the civil rights movement. You want to get people together? You got to have some music to attract them. That's why we do this. And then the spoken word. Oh, nobody can speak the words as eloquently as Martin. Nobody. But we have some students here speaking eloquent words also. And we wanted to do something different tonight. Often you go to these ceremonies and we older people are talking at you. We wanted to have a program in which the students spoke their words and spoke at one another and at us and with us. We wanted the songs, the words, and the dances to challenge your imaginations. Because third, Dr. King is no more or no less than what our imaginations wanted him to be. So we leave it to your imagination. What are this, the speeches, the dances? What are they saying to you? We leave that to you. I'll tell you what some of the presentations have done for me. Watching the exquisite dancers and the soulful singers and listening to the words of the students speaking Dr. King's words, it reminded me of the time in which he said, for those of us who followed him, we would always, he would always give us pep talks. He said, choose your words carefully because they can result in either people helping you or hurting you or killing you. Don't be frivolous and careless with your words, he said. He said, cruel words spoken may be forgiven by the victims, but they will never be forgotten. 
Kind words spoken may be forgotten, but they will never, ever been unappreciated at the moment in which you receive them. So speak kind words, he said, not cruel ones. The words spoken tonight reminded me that he told us to love our oppressors. That's basic. It comes from Gandhi and Thoreau and others, but Martin picked it up. Love your oppressors, but never, never, never appreciate their oppressive behaviors and never remain silent when other people are oppressing someone else or you. That's easy to do if you're a bystander and imagining. The civil rights movement was made up of a lot of people, but the young people there were so very important to us because they were the next generation of us. Today's activists are the 20th century versions of us moved into the 21st century. The choir sings a bit more upbeat than they did in our day. But we could, we could get it on in those days. Don't, don't, don't think that we couldn't do it. But the dancers are uniquely pulling something out of the past, too. And the orators spoke their truths to power and be prepared for the consequences. I think it's important that I say at this juncture that Martin wasn't a saint. He had his flaws, we all do. But he was committed to the task of helping others. Whether you're young or you're old as an activist, you're appreciated and you're needed. There are some young activists in here. And if you are an activist, would you stand for a moment? If you're an activist, own up to it. All right. There they are. Great. Thank you. There are some elder activists in here, too. Do we have any of them? Stand up. I want my wife to stand up, too. Make no mistake about it, Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't just talking about making life better for black people. The Civil Rights Movement was not just the black movement. Don't ever think that it was. We could not have succeeded without a multicultural, multiracial group of individuals. And sometimes that's forgotten. But he was concerned about more than just race relations. He was concerned about abject poverty. He was concerned that giving more money to rich people won't help poverty-stricken people. And it still doesn't help them. He was concerned that after we get affluent, some of us who are oppressed, we kind of run away or hide and forget about our brothers and sisters who we left behind. 
And he said, don't do that. He chided us sometimes, us educated ones, college educated ones, he would say, don't be so pious and talk about your brothers and sisters who are less well educated than you. Not as gifted in terms of athletics as you. Don't you, don't you ever make fun of them or denigrate them, he said. We are one. When you abuse one of us, you abuse all of us. When you ridicule one of us, you ridicule all of us. But he also said that those of us who are gifted academically or athletically should assume some responsibility for helping others when we have our platforms and can speak for others. He said, do it. He was concerned about trying to find a way to have a truce between our multicultural, multiracial peoples. Truth be told, even in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, we people of color were not all together. We were fighting one another. But his vision was greater than that. He said he was tired of seeing the kind of division that we've seen in this country for far too long. People of color and white people oppressing one another. Religious and non-religious people oppressing one another. Men and women oppressing one another. Athletes and non-athletes oppressing one another. He said we must stop these horrific struggles for dominance. Some people say Dr. King was a hopeless dreamer. Maybe he was, but so was I. I'm the kind of dreamer that welcomed other dreamers, whether you were an ideological dreamer or an undocumented dreamer. We were all one. And for me, and probably for Martin, the goal wasn't to make America great again. The goal was to make America truly America for the first time. And that does not mean going back to those so-called good old days when people of color, women, poor whites, gays, and certain immigrants were treated like second-class and third-class citizens. That's not and wasn't his vision. His vision was somehow finding a way, somehow finding a way. He said, if I can use the right words, and if I can do it at the right time, then just maybe, just maybe before I, before I die, I can see more equality. He didn't. I abuse you today. I say, I'm sorry, baby. And I abuse you tomorrow. You're sorry. Words won't get that done. He was concerned that we oppress one another with our words. And words lead to behavior. And behavior sometimes have very, very negative consequences. It was all about trying to understand oneself. Several years ago, Sitting alone in my office, I read a term paper that one of my students wrote about how Dr. King's words 
changed his life. Paraphrasing the lyrics in Charles Fox and Norman Gimbel's soulful song, Killing Me Softly, the student wrote this. I heard he gave a good speech. I heard he had a charismatic style. And so I went to see him and listen for a while. And there he was, this young man, a stranger to my eyes, describing my life with his, with his words, telling my dreams with his words, inspiring me softly with his words. I felt naked with joy and embarrassed by feeling being understood. I felt he read my innermost thoughts and told each one out loud. I prayed that he would finish, but he just kept on describing my life in dreams with his words, inspiring me softly with his words, telling my dreams with his words, telling my whole life with his words, helping me to become a better person with his words. When I finished reading, I put the paper down. I couldn't hold back the tears. I closed my eyes and I thought, this term paper, this student, had written his words were my words. His transformation was my transformation. Martin was that powerful. He wasn't a saint, but he was a very, very unusual, normal, person. I hope tonight's program has in some way nudged all of us in our imaginations to think about words, to think about music and the rhythm and what it pulls out of it, and to be a better person. I wish, I wish that we were not having this, this program. I wish I could sit somewhere with Martin and say, we had a great run, didn't we? And he'd look at me and smile and he'd laugh and he'd say, yeah. But why are we sitting here? Don't we have something else to do? Why are you sitting there? Don't you have something else to do? What an amazing speaker. So let's get after it. I want to thank Toby. I want to thank Dr. Henderson for his amazing words. And I want to thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading, and sharing the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until Tuesday, have a great week. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Go.